Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Genesis 39 where we read about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. But before we go there, let's open with prayer. Lord God, thank you. Just thank you. You are the creator of all and you you listen to me. So Father, I lift up this time. I'm grateful for the fact that you listen to me and you love me, that you talk to us. So Father, I pray for your wisdom. I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to guide this time. I pray that all of our time would be guided by you. I pray as we read your word today that we would hear your voice. We would understand that you really are everywhere, that you're sitting next to us, standing next to us, and that you're there, available, if only we would recognize it. So, Lord, I lift up this reading, I lift up this time, and I just pray for you to be honored and glorified. May our hearts be open to you, and may you be the one that we hear. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Genesis 39. Um, it's a pretty well-known story for folks who who are, you know, have been attending church for a while. It's actually, finally, we get into A.W. Tozer is putting a lot of commentary around it. And so I'll be reading some of that. So before we get to the the commentary from Tozer, let's go ahead and just uh, start reading at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her even with her, her or even be with her. So he might have blown her off in a little bit kinder way. <laughs> One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. <clears throat> she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he let his cloak in her ha- left her clo- his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she said, called her household servants. Look, she said to them, This Hebrew has been... This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. 
He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed when he heard me scream for help. He left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought to you brought us came in came to make came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as she scre- I screamed for help, she, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, "This is how your slave treated me." He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Realistically, he could have had him killed, so Joseph got off in a easier manner. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So, you know, there is that, I think it's a proverb that the efforts of a righteous man avail a lot or produce a lot. Here, Joseph is definitely a righteous man. May not have the most diplomatic way of speaking to someone he's blowing off, but he's very righteous and God blessed him. So let's go to see what A.W. Tozer has to say about this. He chose to focus on verses 2 through 3, which reads, the Lord was with Joseph so that, so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So, again, it was obvious that Joseph was, was very tight with God, that God loved him and gave him favor. So Tozer writes, Wherever faith has been original, wherever it has proved itself to be real, it has invariably had a Upon it, a sense of the present God. What's interesting, I think, with that is it's the present God, not the presence of God, but that God's right there. The Holy Scriptures possess, in marked degrees, this feeling of actually of actual encounter with a real person. The men and women of the Bible talked with God. They spoke to Him and heard Him speak in words they could understand. With Him. They held person-to-person interactions, and we sense, and and a sense of shining reality is upon their words and deeds. I mean, just think about, was it Abraham, or was it Isaac, who was hanging out, and God and angels actually came, and you know they had lunch. He made them lunch. There was three three people before they went down. Were heading down to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was. It was this that filled the, with abiding wonder the first members of the Church of Christ. The solemn delight, which those early disciples knew, sprang straight from the conviction that there was one in the midst of them. They knew that the majesty, majesty in the heavens was confronting them on earth. They were in the very presence of God. And the power of that conviction to arrest attention and hold it for a lifetime, to elevate, to transform, to fill with uncontrollable moral happiness, to send men singing to prison and to death, has been one of the wonders of history and a marvel of the world. So I think a lot of times we, we our v- vision of God is that he comes down from his throne. 
he may be on a throne, but he's he's omnipresent. And I looked up a few things about, you know, some scripture and some ideas, again, from Tozer that talked about in, in, in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, it reads, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And Tozer writes, these verses show that the sinner is so dissimilar to God that the distance is one of character, not space. Because right there in Ephesians 4, it states that he is in all and through all. So God is not one inch away from a sinner, and yet he is far from the sinner. Am I contradicting myself? Not at all. Since God is omnipresent, close to anywhere, next to everywhere, then the distance is that of character, not space. He goes on to write, God is not far away in distance, but he seems to be because he is far away in character. He is unlike man because man has sinned and God is holy. The Bible has a word for this moral incompatibility, this spiritual unlikeness between man and God. It's called alienation. So when you look at this, you really understand that God is everywhere. He's in everything and he's right here with us. He's next to me and he's next to you. Tozer goes on to write in his, in his book, The Pursuit of God. He says, if God is present at every point in space, if we cannot go where he is not, cannot even conceive of a place where he is not, why then has not that presence become the one universally celebrated fact of the world? The patriarch jo Jacob, in a barren and howling waste, gave the answer to that question. He saw a vision of God and cried out in wonder, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Jacob had never been one, had never been for one small division of a moment outside the circle of that all-pervading presence, but he knew it not. That was his trouble, and it is ours. Men do not know that God is here. What a difference it would make if they knew it. So, really, we see where God is everywhere. And he blesses people who have a character similar to his. And we can only really have that character when we accept Christ. Because all of our flaws are shrouded, taken away, and we receive the new presence of Christ. And if we only understood when we say he's omnipresent, that he really is right next to us. But I think it's easier for us to put him on a throne in heaven, at least it is for me, to put him on a throne in heaven so that when I sin, I don't feel like he's right there. Because if I'm sinning and I think that he's right there next to me, what a different way I would behave. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time and for your reading. I thank you for the ability to hear from you through your word and to get insights as to your character. And I just pray, Father, that my heart and my character, my spirit, would open to you and it would be more like yours. That I would focus on you and become much more like you. So that it wouldn't be my character that keeps me from you, but that I would have the character of Christ and walk and see you in all things. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for who you are. 
Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.